Here's a summary of seven ways to pray in 30 seconds. Do you ever wonder if you're praying effectively? There's some simple strategies you can use, and they're in this book. Uh, when the news seems like it's so full of despair, just choose a news source outside your comfort zone and then pray through it. You can also use your imagination to picture consuming the Bible so completely that if you are eating it. And if you get, like me, if you're distracted when you're praying, just imagine that you're putting those distractions in a car, park it, and move on. And remember this, that Christ through his spirit is in you as you practice the presence of God. Hi, my name's Andy, and in this 30-second book club podcast, it's a place for people who want to read and be in a book club but don't have time to do either. I take care of that for you. So today in the book club, it's Amy Boucher-Pie, author of Seven Ways to Pray. Okay, Amy, so let's start here. What inspired you to write this book? Well, I think because God has changed me so much through prayer, and I've learned so much, and I've led a lot of retreats, and I've had the joy of having helping people to pray and to see the way that God changes us and, cha- and transforms us. It's super exciting. I can tell that you've led some of these because some of these concepts, it's funny because I just, sometimes I just say when I'm on the air, I'll say, oh, you know, prayer is just talking to God. And of course it is, but sometimes you need something else to kind of guide you through it all. We'll start here. You talk about how to pray with the Bible. And I thought this was interesting, the mental image of taking it and then eating it as well. And the great thing about all these prayer practices, the seven that I write about, they're not the only seven is that through some of the study that I've done is that I've met guides before me. And so eating the Bible, praying with the Bible, praying through the Bible is is back to this practice of sacred reading, which is a, the technical term is Lectio Divina. They would, these were the monks back in the early, early times, and they would have the honey of scriptures dripping down into their beings as they kind of ruminated on it through a four-step process, taking the Bible and reading it devotionally, praying through through it, taking a little chunk of scripture and reading it, reflecting on it, responding, and then resting. It's just a wonderful thing to move from our head to our heart. Sometimes I feel guilty, and I think a lot of us do, when we are praying and we're trying to focus. And I've even tried to set a timer of, okay, I'm going to pray for this long, and then I don't even get to the end of the timer, and I'm, I'm thinking about my life and everything else. I love how you talk about hey, we feel guilty and we're distracted with random thoughts. That's okay. What do we do with those? I was talking with James Catford. He's the head of Renovare. US and he has a ex- wonderful example. He says it's like a parked car. Just take your distraction and pretend that you're going to park the car. So you and then it's there. It's okay. It's safe there. You don't have to think about it anymore. And then you just go back. Or I say you can invite a distraction to your prayer practice, but then say they have to be a guest and they have to sit over there and be quiet. Just have a little piece of paper near you or your phone or whatever. Maybe not your phone. Turn your phone off, but have a little piece of paper, old-fashioned way. Write down what what is distracting you and then come back. And don't be too hard on yourself because you know, these practices, God isn't a taskmaster. He just wants to meet with us. He loves it when we meet with them and he makes it easier the more we do it. I I loved the idea, as you talk about in the book, practicing the presence of God. Uh, What does that look like in our everyday life? How do we do that? Practicing the presence of God is simply calling to mind that Christ through his spirit lives within us. And on the radio, you can't see me putting my hand to my heart, but I do that quite often just as a reminder that the center of us is filled with Christ through his spirit. He promises that he will be with us if we've invited him in. So can set a timer on our phone, have it go off every hour, every time you wash your hands, every time you do something, Just remind yourself, okay, I'm going to use this time to practice the presence, to call to mind that I'm a child of God and that Christ lives within me. So the other side of that is, uh, 
I struggle with, not just the presence of God, but then I was just talking to a pastor the other day and he kept saying, oh, you know, God said this to me, God said this to me. And I finally stopped him. I said, I don't know if I've ever felt that God said this to me thing, but you talk about that in seven ways to pray, how to listen to God. Hearing God, I think so much of life with God is about discernment and trying to figure out when we hear God, these little nudges, the still small voice that Samuel heard in First Samuel chapter three, and when it's just us. And in that chapter on hearing God, I share about really getting it wrong, really mm-hmm. some big, huge, major things. But through that, and I was really afraid to hear that still small voice of God after that because I'd gotten it so wrong. But slowly and tenderly and over a long period of time, I started to open my heart to to hearing God and weighing it up. And I think a great place to start is scripture. You know, take take the promises of Jesus, put your name into them. And that's a wonderful place because it's rooted in God's word. He says, this is, you know, my word to you. So it's an amazing place to start. But it's really, at the end of the day, about discerning and using wisdom and trusting God that he does speak to us because he loves us. Now, another thing I think sometimes, uh, and it might be depending on our, my own personal life, I'm afraid to come to God with things about complaining or, you know, what the Bible would say, lamenting, where I think, okay, I, I shouldn't ever be, I should always be thankful. I shouldn't ever complain. I shouldn't ever whine. I should never say, God, why are you doing this? But you have a whole chapter about that, that uh, lamenting and, and, and doing that the right way. Because I think we really can go, okay, Lord, you're a good God. You're a gracious God. How can I, how can I, little puny me, be speaking (laughs) against you? But look at Job. Look at Lamentations. I mean, a whole chapter in the Bible. And then look at the Psalms. 45% of the Psalms are lament. They're David and other people crying out to God, railing against him sometimes. And there's a fourfold process that I talk about, about addressing God and then complaining and then requesting, making your request to God. And then the fourth step quite often is an expression of trust where they may not feel like they're trusting God, David and the other psalmists, but they say, I will trust you. You are a good God. It's an amazing way. And I've just, I've been leading a retreat on this and we've just done the lament. And there's such a freedom that people have in voicing these these laments, these cries of the heart, and then, you know, offering them to God and then having God take them so that we're not burdened with them. Hmm. I thought it was interesting, too, because I think right now, especially now, I mean, it's been like this for a long time, but it seems like it's getting worse, where every time you read the news and you're scrolling your news feed, it just makes you more, have more and more despair. And so I love the idea that you talked about praying through the news. Yes, In the example I used, I think I chose something from, I did this in 2016 or 2017. I don't remember the actual year. Even back then, in the space of a week, horrible, horrible things were happening. Atrocities in France, an MP over here in the UK where I live was killed and murdered and and just, you just can despair. So what I recommend is that choose maybe a web browser of a news source that's outside of your comfort zone. And then just pray through and there might be so much cause to lament. But the amazing thing to think is that God is so merciful and he loves to hear us prayer and he acts more than we could ever imagine. Who knows how he's going to answer those cries of the heart when we're praying on behalf of other people. It's wonderful to consider and ponder. This is kind of a a concept that I was a little new to. So I want you to share a little bit more about 
And it makes sense that God would use our imagination, but I never thought of it this way. But talk about gospel imaginative prayer. This is fairly new to me as well. When I was doing a master's in Christian spirituality, I came came into this practice and it was popularized by Ignatius of Loyola way back in 16th, 16th century Spain. And he used it as a way to enter into a gospel story with his imagination. So you're smelling the smells, you're hearing the sounds, you're there with Jesus. Um, maybe you're one of the disciples, maybe you're Mary sitting at Jesus's feet, or maybe you're Martha getting all het up in the kitchen, upset that Mary is just sitting there. As you enter into this gospel story, It's amazing how through our imaginations, and we ask for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us, we ask for God to keep anything evil out, is that we enter in in a different way. And it's like maybe something that was buried deep within us, some feelings or whatever, are buried there. And through entering in with our imaginations, we're able to access those feelings and emotions and present them to God in a way that we wouldn't if we were just dealing intellectually with it. So I share in that chapter a really vulnerable um, story that I won't share now. The first time I did it was a zinger. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many great things in this book. So I really encourage you to read it. We're just barely skimming the surface. But uh, Amy, I I think if there's somebody that if they're watching this interview, listening to this interview, clearly they're interested in going deeper in prayer. Maybe they've never really had a prayer. Maybe they never really stepped foot into that whole into a prayer journey. What would you say to someone who who is just looking, what is the first step? Before I even open this book to learn about all these really cool techniques and seven ways to pray, where should I start? Just asking God to help you. Just asking God to amplify your desire to get to know him, to, to guide you in the journey, to maybe put the right people in your path who will help you, put you in the right church if you're not in the right church, or just to open the doors. Jesus is the open door, and he loves to empower us to know him better. So yeah, just give it a go. And you Mm. can't get it wrong because prayer is a practice, but prayer is all about an intimate relationship with God through Jesus. So you won't get it wrong. Don't feel like you're going to get it wrong. If you know someone struggling with mental illness, maybe it's you. A lot of people are going through that, especially the last uh, year and a half or so, right? If you feel anxious or depressed, It might be because you're actually just lonely. And so next week, Dr. Mark Mayfield is going to talk about his book, The Path Out of Loneliness, right here on the 32nd Book Club. 